Welcome to MCSO Behind the Badge, an inside look at the Monroe County Sheriff's Office in Rochester, New York, under the leadership of Sheriff Todd Baxter. We're going to talk about what drives us, our leadership culture, our police work, and share some stories of the great deputies and civilian staff that work with us. We're going to talk with interesting guests, and we're going to invite you to engage in the conversation or just sit back, relax, and listen in. Now let's get in pursuit of today's show. And welcome to today's podcast. This is Sheriff Todd Baxter, Monroe County Sheriff in uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, again, trying to share with you what's behind the badge of the Monroe County Sheriff's Office. Uh, who our people are, who works for us, the uh, great jobs, noble, heroic work they do as a living. And then also we, we bring in guests to, to try and share what we're doing either with lo other local government officials or, or people that support us. And uh, today our, our podcast is, is named And Then Came COVID uh, because uh, a good friend of mine and the county executive of the county of Monroe, Adam Bello, uh, took office January 1st this year, uh, had a great 30, 60, 90-day plan. I was part of your transition committee, and, and uh, a lot of people worked on that for months. And, uh, and then came yeah. COVID. How'd yeah. that work out? Yeah, well, <laughs> well it certainly changed the 60 and 90 day plan. <laughs> right, that absolutely. Much. <laughs> well, great to have you yeah. with us, uh, County you. Exec. And, it's uh, great to be with you, Sheriff. Yeah, it's just yeah. a, a great opportunity. And then uh, my co-host this week, we always try to bring in a, a different co-host just to share again who's behind the badge and, and Captain James McGowan uh, from the Jail Bureau. James, how are you? I'm good, sir. Glad I like calling you James. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so uh, Captain McGowan uh, mm -hmm. has been in the jail bureau how many years? 26 years, sir. 26 years. And um, we took him out. Uh, we're speaking of COVID. You know, mm -hmm. when COVID started um, uh, just popping its head up in, in our or in our country, let alone our state and then our county, uh, you know, we, we thought about the Monroe County Jail. We thought about the, the jail bureau and keeping them as healthy as long as possible. So we formed a COVID command post um, that worked hand-in-hand -hand with the county executives uh, command post, and we'll share that in a second. But uh, Captain McGowan came out of jail and actually was a COVID command post commander uh, and became an executive order expert uh, coming out of Albany. Yes, sir. And you really did a, a great job, and we're still working on that as, as we speak today to keep our, our staff as healthy as possible, then respond to what the gov you know the larger governments need us to do. Yes. So uh, congratulations on that, and I want to Thank say you. that publicly. You really stepped outside your norm, the jail, and uh, took over a multi-bureau command post. So Mr. Bellow. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself. This is, well, this, this is an inquiry. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Like what makes you tick? I'm a job interview here. No, it's, uh, no, it's great to be with you guys. I mean, this has been a, a great uh, experience getting to know you better um, uh, and working uh, together. Obviously, uh, Sheriff and I have known each other for a number of years, right. but um, uh, this has been a, a very interesting last few months. You, you said, how is your 60, 90-day plan going? You know, I, I, I had a chance. I saw my uh, co-chairs, my transition team, just oh, a little really? while yeah. ago. And I said, you guys left out the chapter on managing a global <laughs> pandemic. And, uh, and so it's just sort of threw all that out. But, you know, look, I just think, you know, I got into public service a while ago. This is being a county executive is my first job in elected office. Before this, I was the county clerk. Uh, a lot of people know me from there. And then before that, I was uh, the, the supervisor of the town of Aronicoy. And, uh you know, what I have always tried to focus on was trying to make sure that government doesn't just become a jobs program for the people who work there. It's got to be something that impacts people and, and tries to make it a better place to live, which is actually not unlike the way you run the sheriff's department, which right. is you're trying to find a way to impact people's lives and make a difference and not just tread your, you know, spin your wheels and just, you know, sort of stand in place, but always think about how you can do something better. And so that's that's really how I sort of grew up through you know, my role in public service. And, you know, it's why I wanted to be county executive is a lot of reasons why I wanted to be the town supervisor in Aronicoy was, was because 
I just felt like we could do better. And, you know, we just were spinning our wheels a little mm -hmm. bit and not really making progress or impact on a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff you and I have talked about a lot, yeah, the absolutely. opioid epidemic mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, things like that. And uh, so, you know, those were a lot of things I wanted to try to get on right away in January, February. Right. Obviously, we, uh, we, we took a little detour. Uh, which we're still on, um, uh, but uh, uh, but I think things are starting to get back towards a lot of those priorities as well, and we're learning how to walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah. So talk to me. I mean, we have this, I believe, the same philosophy of public service. You mm -hmm. know, it's no BS. I, I could live without the title sheriff. I, I love right. it. You know, I, I'm honored to be elected to a countywide seat. I never dreamed of it. But the fact is, I come to work every day. I mean, I'm not being cliche. You know, what can I do better? I got a great, I've been blessed by God with a great position. Uh, you know, and same with you. I mean, yeah. what can we do to, to improve people's lives and, and maybe, you know, be more efficient with taxpayer money and all that good stuff, right? Well, that's exactly Sounds right. Sounds cliche, but it, it's really... Yeah, and I think a lot of people are in the... Get into these jobs, or at least, you know, the media, I think, puts a sometimes a real negative focus on elected officials and mm -hmm. public officials because there are there are some who are in it for the wrong reasons yeah, right absolutely. some people are in it because they like to see themselves on tv they think it's a cool title they want to be called honorable other people are in it because they actually see something they want to impact and and try to make it a better uh place and you know i like to think i'm in the latter group right, right and right. so we get up every day and we you know and the one way i try to approach everything is by not saying no Right. Don't always start and come at something by saying, no, we can't do that or, or or we can't do this because we've always done it this other way. It's, you know, maybe there is something we can do. Let's talk about let's bring people in, you know, because that's the other thing as we get into talking about COVID as well is is that I also approach it as I don't have all the answers. Right. I don't always know everything about, you know, I'm not going to know everything about everything. So I also look at it that a big piece of my job is to try to know what you don't know mm -hmm. so you know when to call in for help right, right like right. i talk to you all the time when we're talking about opioid opioids we're talking about fireworks, fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> quite a few times over the last several weeks right. uh you know you talk about stuff like that i don't know a, a lot about those issues uh to start and so we start to learn we find experts we find people who do know what they're talking right. about and you invite them in you right. don't shut people out and just say well i know what i'm doing i'm i'm the county executive so i know how to solve all these problems instead you you know invite people in and listen yeah my undersheriff says it all the time uh yeah. cory brown he, he makes the statement that none of us in this room are smarter than the other person we just have different job titles. that's right you're right? all just different titles just, just exactly right because exactly you get promoted right. to captain inside the sheriff so it doesn't make you smarter than the lieutenant was you know, right. yesterday it's, right it's impossible right and you'll hear me say that all the time and you know i i'll always say to people too all the time i don't know Right. So, but let me go find out. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's, you know, just a different approach. Well, it, it takes courage to do that. And I'll mm -hmm. be, I'll be frank. I'm not the smartest guy in the room right here. I can guarantee that. But do I have the gall <laughs> to, uh, to call 11 people in a room and let them shout at me saying, sure, I think you're making a mistake. Sure. My job as a leader. Right. If I choose to make that mistake, walk over to cliff. At least I have all the Intel to well, make that decision. Tell me why I'm wrong. Right. right. But and, I, uh, I may still go yeah. that way. I'm the boss. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I need all the input. And I'm not. Uh, and once you start making those those decisions in a vacuum, so let's take COVID. 100%. Uh, yeah. you, know, you started this out kind of with some humor that uh, you know we failed to plan for the uh, the world global pandemic. Well, uh, I tell you, transition. It's, <laughs> well, it's funny because as as we were starting the year, it's you know my transition report lined out probably a few dozen things that we were going to do, and you know we had some short term, mid term, long term goals, and. In January, I would say about halfway through January, I should go back and look at my calendar. Um, but you, we started having briefings about COVID. What are you going to do right. about COVID? What's right. going to happen if the pandemic comes here? It's like, I, I don't know. We're, we're, I'm focused on this other issue over here. We're doing, you know, all this other stuff. So, you know, what I thought was, first of all, 
I don't know anything about the coronavirus. I didn't know anything about how to manage a pandemic. So what I did know, though, is that we have two really good hospital systems Mm -hmm. and we have a Dr. Mendoza in the public health department. So I brought them all together. I said, you know, obviously your competitors in the in the health in the health systems, Rochester Regional Health and URMC at the University of Rochester uh, Medical Center, and your competitors in the healthcare field. However, we're all going to work on this together. We're all in the same uh, uh, community, and so can you all come to my office and let's talk about what the response should be? What should we tell people? What do we know about the virus? And we started a series of press conferences going back, I think late January, early February about where it was in the world, where what we thought the risk was in Monroe County. And, you know, we did those. We kept doing both things at the same time until we got our first case, which was a wild, day. Yeah. wild day. Because what happened was, um, and some, some of the media, I think, sort of suspected we had a case because I, if you actually go back, I had some public events scheduled the evening um, that that came in. And I thought it was important when we had our first case, we had our first positive, it was important to be at the Department of Public Health with my staff so that we can see, I can see firsthand what is contact tracing? What do we do to protect people? How do you know, what what are the steps you take as you go through it? Because you know once you have your first case, you're gonna have more. And so I wanted to be there with them. So I actually had to send surrogates out to my my speaking events that night and the media was there uh, and they're wondering, where's Adam? I said, well, he had uh, an important um, issue come up tonight they had to deal with. So that immediately yeah, set off a few, issue. you know, there was, some, only one issue. there was only one issue going right. on in those days. But it was a really interesting experience. I was actually at the Department of Health. They had their first case. And um, I, you know, as soon as it was confirmed and they, they had the contact details, I got to see them really sort of just dive right in and, and see how that works, that how they call um, they called the individual, they interviewed him, they, they called all his contacts, they interviewed right. them, they tried to figure out where he came from, how'd he get here, where, you know, where, you know, they, they, they start that whole process so that when we did a media event the next morning, we were able to tell the public, again, exactly what happened, what right. we know, what we don't know, because there's know. a lot of I don't knows. Very and, and that's, that's a challenge for, I think, both people in the medical profession. They don't like to have to tell people they don't know. Right. Um, it's also tough for politicians, yeah, right, absolutely. and to, to tell people you don't know. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot of things you don't know, and you don't want to mislead people. You don't want to make up the answer, certainly. So you just tell people what you know. And I, I remember early on that, you know, there was a uh, – uh, I was very frustrated in a few a few days because – I didn't know. You and I was answers. in a position, I want every answer right. I could find. I'm calling everybody I know. And I also became the person who was delivering what was, in my view, really bad news every day, right. right? Like you start with your first case and then your index patient, but then as soon it came to, there was a, 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 a an individual who worked at the, the Greece School District. Right. Um, I think there might have been two over at the Greece School District. And then it started snowballing, and I was in that position where – I'm talking to the media about what what cases are coming in, where they're from, and I was like the bad news bears here. And you know, I was frustrated about that. And a really good friend of mine said to me one day, he goes, "What's wrong?" Because I was like very down. Go, what do you mean, what's wrong? We're in the middle of a global pandemic, and I'm on TV every day saying this bad news. He goes, "Well, Adam, he goes, it's not like you walked out onto the street and threw a vial of coronavirus on the floor right. and got everybody sick. He goes, Your job is to go out there and tell people what they need to know." And that really just sort of changed my mindset about how we conducted ourselves, how we gave out information. And I think if you go back and look, there there probably was a clear point where you can start to see where we really just sort of settled into uh, almost daily briefings where we just told people what we knew. 
and what we, we told don't people know, what we don't, we don't know. know and just offer the best advice from a health perspective that we could offer. It's interesting. I tell my staff all the time, and, and I'm sure Amy's heard it, and I'm sure uh, she's behind the mixer today, by the way, Amy, yeah. Amy Young. Hi, and, Amy. Uh, <laughs> and Kathy McGowan, I, my favorite response, and you got to put this culturally in your organizations, right. my favorite response to one of my questions is, I don't know. That's right. I, I, you will not be ashamed by me. I will never shame you. I want you to go get the facts if you can find them, but right. I'd rather have you tell me you don't know than make some BS up and right. we're chasing that information around. Well, and that's where we found ourselves in the emergency operations center a lot. And you know, you say, why is coronavirus so different? And, and you'll get this, Captain, because you probably ran into this a hundred different times, is people kept coming in with issues or problems and saying, what do we do? It's like, I don't don't know there's nobody really to turn to to say well how did you do this last time right i mean there was a you know and it's everything from do we close the schools well right you know it's not like a snowstorm where you have metrics we actually have metrics that we use what's the rate of snowfall per hour what's the you know how's that on the roads and there, there's actually there's actually metrics that'll be used to that superintendents use there's a, a procedure in place um you know that didn't that doesn't exactly exist for a pandemic at what level do the schools close so that was a difficult conversation we had with the superintendents right when do you when do you cancel the saint patrick's day parade uh we had no cases so do you cancel it do you not you see it spreading out of new york city is it but there's no real playbook for that you know i remember there was a a a, a first responder actually early on uh, who needed to quarantine um i don't believe the individual uh, had tested positive, but I think had come into contact with someone who could, mm-hmm. but couldn't quarantine at home. And so where do you quarantine that person? Right. Where do you, and then all of a sudden it raised that specter of where do you quarantine someone who can't quarantine at home <laughs> for whatever reason? And it's like, well, I don't know. And you know, so you have to sort of figure oh, out, bring course. people together. And you figure it out and you yeah. solve those problems. We did. We actually ended up renting uh, space. Right? We rented space. Yeah. yeah. And we found lots of space that we could rent and uh, and solve the problem. But it was a lot of what almost seemed like unsolvable problems, but you just had to work through them. Well, it's interesting, too, because at some point in time, I'm sure you noticed as we did that there was about two groups that mm-hmm. everyone in the county looked to for all the answers and it was right. either law enforcement through 911 or it was the right. county executive's office and there was no one else to call because no one ever run into any of this and they would right. call us whether they were concerned or complaining mm-hmm. or, or wanted information or your office and and I would reach out to your office and I would reach out to Dr. Jeremy Cushman and, and drive mm-hmm. him crazy multiple times a week when I didn't know something just trying to find out you know what do we do here what's the proper approach here because sure. um, the sheriff's a big uh, fan of erring on the side of caution mm-hmm. which in this case is really what you want to do that's right uh, people's lives are at risk and their health well and you had a really big responsibility here in the sheriff's department because you operate the jail and that's a, one of those congregate living facilities where right. you've got people living in very close conditions it's it's impossible to really to socially distance right inside a jail and how do you wear a mask how do you keep things clean because if if the virus entered the facility, it would spread uh, very quickly. Well, well that's that still you something do, that you're looking at. You do at, everything you right. mentioned. Yeah. You know, we were panicked watching Rikers Island at the time. Going, oh, oh my right. gosh. You yeah. know? And, um, and, but you do socially distance and you mm-hmm. do give everyone masks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you do watch everything you do. And actually by the, by layout of the jail, you have something most people don't have. You have de facto quarantine. Oh, that's a good point. All these different yeah. areas and all these different people. Sure. So if one person becomes symptomatic, He's really only exposed to maybe 12 other people. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you, you keep that movement down. Now, it's based on different reasons, like no right, contacts, right, right. can't get along with this group of people or something like that. Right. But it actually ended up working out very well. And to date, we've only had one 
positive in me the entire the entire time. And I'll knock on wood and, and thank God. That's a phenomenal mm-hmm. statistic. It is. But we have had deputies that have become COVID positive while they're at work. And we have yet to have a single case of a vi- the virus transmitted from a deputy to an inmate or right. any staff member to an inmate. And that was based upon everything from following the you know, CDC's recommendations, our own medical care, prime care's recommendations, our own common sense recommendations, talking mm-hmm. to, to your staff and, and, mm-hmm. and Dr. Mendoza and Dr. Cushman and trying to make sure that we're doing everything possible to keep our staff, the inmates, and everyone in here safe. And, I'll, you know, people don't like the masks. They don't like the stuff. But yeah. tell you what, you put yeah. everybody in a mask. And then when one guy's not feeling that good, everybody rests a little bit easier. And what it takes really right. for that to be effective is have somebody you know test positive. That's because it's one. Yeah, until that happens, <laughs> right. it's somebody else's problem. It's always happened in New York City or it's over in China or it's right. wherever. When it's your partner that's, that's right. come down positive and now you're panicked that you brought this home to your family or your newborn child or whoever it is, mm-hmm. boy, our jail got real good with masks real fast. And, yeah. and uh, I'll tell you what, I'll... I'll just to be involved in something directly like that. And I can tell you from personal experience, you know, masks are a good idea. And mm-hmm. everybody's saying they are. And, you know, you can argue it, you know, every which way you want. But our jail is, I think, the great example of what wearing masks can right. do. Well, and that, and that actually even goes back into the what do we know and don't know, right? Because at first it wasn't everybody should wear a mask. That actually right. wasn't the advice, right? It right. was something else. But then the more they learned about the virus, the more they learned the mask really was the way to go. And that's really what's protecting people now. Yeah, and then and we argued uh, about N95s versus surgical oh, versus cloth. And yep. we spent about a month Do you get on fitted masks. for the, <laughs> like, how do you get right? fitted for the 95s yeah, and yeah. all hand that? Hand yeah, sanitizer, yeah. no hand sanitizer. Uh, It'll last crazy. how many hours on a hard surface versus a porous surface? I mean, just, yeah. It continuously changed on a moment's notice. Yeah, and we still learn new stuff, right? Absolutely. It, it, you, when you watch the news or you listen to, I, you know, I do encourage everyone to really do listen to Dr. Mendoza here. We're, we're very lucky to have him. Absolutely. But, um, just listen to what he's talking about. It's it does constantly change, and you have to be open to that change. Don't, you know, if someone just because someone said three or four months ago a mask wasn't a good idea, that doesn't mean it's not a good idea today. It means we learned more about how to respond to it. And, and let's talk a little bit about leadership. You know, you've been in several leadership positions. Captain McGowan's here. Um, mm-hmm. I've been blessed with several. You know, that's go back to leadership one hundred and one. So the leadership is the process of influencing others by providing mm-hmm. purpose, direction, and motivation. That's my army definition. Uh, that obviously is a grain in the back of my brain, but the mm-hmm. point I'm making there is we got to influence others, and sometimes you got to you got to you got to call it like it is. And right. I seen Dr. Mendoza the other day. I think do a tweet and say I was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, originally mm-hmm. the information yeah. I had, but he's the medical expert, and everybody says you cannot be wrong. But you got a man like that willing to stand up and go. But the information I had at, at that point in time was right. good information. I made my decision based on that information, but it changes when more. That takes a lot of gall again it or does. leadership to say. The information has changed, and now I'm looking at it from a different perspective. That's called leadership, and a lot of people want to take shots at things like that. You know, right, you and right. I, if we we change our right. mind, but I think it's called leadership, and it's not easy. I it's mean, not. It, no. It, well, and, and I think part of it, there's a lot of frustration out in the community too. I mean, I you know I I'm not you know completely tone deaf to looking at you know comments and oh, tweets yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that, and you know there's a lot of frustration out there, and and part of it is I I think in in what what makes being make being a leader difficult in those situations where you mm-hmm. have to say I was wrong and you, and you change is that particularly when it comes to the situation we were just in is that everybody's everybody's dealing with it in a different way it's impacting right. I should put it this way it's impacting everybody in a different way there's some families who have children but they had parents who were able to stay home from work and work from home didn't lose any income there's people who didn't have kids were able to work from home didn't really lose their income and so they were really just sort of isolated in their homes and 
you know, I guess, and that was the downside, but otherwise we're not really impacted. Right. You have other people completely lost their livelihoods, Absolutely. lost their yeah. businesses. Yeah. They, they did not have the ability to homeschool their children. Uh, so their kids are falling behind there. They don't have access to, to equipment or, or internet uh, broadband or anything else. And so it's really impacting people in vastly, vastly different ways. And it's sometimes, it's obviously, a lot of times, it's hard to see things through other people's lens when you're in your own world. And I think sure. that that leads to conflict. It leads to frustration, aggravation. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then you see, you know, rallies and right. either way, close this, open this, why won't this? And people are frustrated, and I totally get that frustration. But I think that we have to have empathy for people. And I think that that's... That's something that, you know, I've tried to express to during, you know, in my media interviews and when I'm on the public is we have to have empathy for people because you have to be able to see things through other people's lens and realize it, it just really is impacting people differently. And I know your, uh, your awesome bride is involved in education. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Congratulations. She's, I think a new job. Yes. Yeah, she just says uh, she's the new principal at Laurelton party uh, school in East Toronto. Wow. Congratulations. I'm really excited sir. about that. Yeah. yeah. Tell yeah. Her, sir, congratulations. Thank and you. She's an awesome lady. Thank you. And so are your kids. But uh, my daughter-in-law yeah. teaches uh, high school special ed mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Okay. You know, that's a, that's a that's, difficult environment to teach in, right? To keep people is. engaged. And, yep. and then we're going to go virtual with that in a moment's notice. And she had so much frustration that I didn't feel until I actually spent time on it. Like, what? I thought mm-hmm. you had time off. I thought this was a school day for everybody. Now you got no. winter days. You know? <laughs> so, and then you talk to her from, like you're saying, her point yeah. of view. I'm like, this lady is going to bed yep. in tears because she cannot do her job. And yep. that's teach these poor kids that have no connectivity maybe or, or, or an intention span yeah. problem, right? So uh, well, you, you got to look at, at everybody's point of view. You do. And Sheriff, to like what you just said, even about teaching, because my wife, uh, you know, obviously works in a school. And uh, the first time I think she heard me on TV say, because we used to, we, we did a lot of TV appearances, uh, you know, th- to give out information. Um, the first time she heard me say schools were closed, uh, I, I got a phone call that said, Adam, no, the school <laughs> buildings are closed, but this isn't a, this isn't like, you know, winter vacation here. She goes, teachers are working around the clock and you know, everybody was, you yeah, know, working you, harder. They weren't. I have kids that were in school that, you know, I mean, they'll tell you, no, they liked being home, but you know, they wanted to go right. back to school and see their friends. Um, but they had phenomenal teachers. My daughter's teacher came by the house several times, would leave care packages to right. all the students on the front, left books, left work to do, uh, even planted like this wind, this windmill thing in our front yard that, uh-huh. that had these really encouraging words on it. So there's, there's a lot of stories like that. You look at the, the car parades that were going right. on. I actually thought those were great. I know there was some back and forth about whether those were wise, but you're, you're distance, you're in your own, right. you're, you're in your own car. I thought that was great. We need, we, we need something need at that, that time. You know, you need, need those kind of And I love how people adapt and overcome. We Absolutely. had a different perspective from that inside. So we have a medication assisted treatment uh, program, oh, sure. our MAT unit. Mm-hmm. And, um, most of that is a lot of that's programming. You're trying to get people off their addictions and, yep. and fight these challenges so that when they get released back into society, um, they have a much better opportunity to function. Well, so much of that is is based upon volunteers coming in and helping out. We have Dr. Tisha Smith that runs the program and, and our rehab staff that do a phenomenal job. But there's you know five or six of them, and you, we have hundreds of volunteers that come in, everything from AA to NA to anger management to job skills and everything else. And suddenly these people aren't allowed in the building based on the COVID situation. Right. And, um, and everyone there has to step up and find a different way and you know everything from that to the courts and the virtual hearings and trying to find the best way to still serve the population 
and there's still people getting out of jail and still yeah. people are going <laughs> to go in there released. and trying to find a way to help these people out. So the frustration was all around and even in perspectives you wouldn't think of, you know, from a person right. of if you're in jail and you have an addiction problem, who's helping you now? That's right. Unfortunately, we kept those services going, well, but it was difficult. That's something you guys are going to deal with ongoing. We're, we are too, but this is something the whole community is. But you're going to see, you see it in the jail too. I, I assume is when you know you look at the opioid crisis. Exactly. You know, something right. where we are diving into the opioid crisis right away. now. And because you know this is something that was important to me. You know, last year, uh, I had made. You know, I talked to the sheriff. I talked to a lot of people, and we had made uh, making. You know, a lot of people called different names. Oh, whether it's opioid czar or. Uh, you know, an opioid director, something like that to help call, you know, help try to coordinate a lot of the activities going on. So many people are doing great stuff. Well, so we actually introduced that to the county legislature, our plan, not just to hire one person, but we're hiring uh, a whole team, uh, response team to this. And, you know, obviously it, it, it's our effort there slowed down a little bit when COVID started, but um, we, you know, we're, we're doubling down on it right now. I mean, the numbers are going in the wrong direction. And, and I, and again, that's one of those, um, uh, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, it was exacerbated by COVID. One of the things that you have learned about, about what happened here is that it didn't create a lot of our problems, but it certainly exacerbated an awful lot. And like, so it didn't create the opioid epidemic, but it really made it worse. Well, and the homeless situation too, their, their, their prevalence of infection rate was double, triple, or quadruple what it was a month, That's a month right. compared and, to a regular person. So yeah. And again, this is going to go into the importance of counties, right? And what the sheriff does, what we do, mm-hmm. um, the, the, you know, and, and all the, 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 the officials, the county legislature is like, this is what counties do. Counties choreograph. They are going to coordinate. Co- yes. Right. We coordinate it. We're the convener. We're the, we, you right. know, we're a big entity. We, we have a billion dollar budget. We invest in social service programs, public health, public safety, uh, parks, all those things. But Really, what our job is, because we're the we're that big entity in the middle, is to bring people in and coordinate all right. the work that everybody else is doing, and that's what I think is a big piece of this that I think had been missing for a right. long time. But Absolutely. we're bringing in, particularly when it comes to issues around public safety and health. Now, you know, the opioid epidemic is first and foremost on my mind right now. Yeah, seventy-eight deaths so far this year. You know, towards the end, of the month. it's still unacceptable. We it we is. we flatten that. You know, we talk about flattening the curve with, right. with uh, COVID. You know, we right. flattened the curve, or the, the 45 degree angle spike actually on a, on right. a histogram uh, of deaths in Monroe County. And, and we worked hard at that. And then the COVID jumped in the middle of the way, and we're not going to make excuses, but That's it right. definitely took a lot of the social part of it away, as the captain was talking oh, about absolutely. inside the jail. All our nonprofits uh, couldn't do their jobs uh, in the recovery world. So, yeah, so I, I applaud you for putting the time, energy, and, and money mm-hmm. into that coordination point. And we don't need someone at the county government telling the police departments how to do their job or telling mm-hmm. some local nonprofit in the recovery world how to do their job. We need right. someone coordinating, right, right. And, and making us as efficient as possible. And right. So I applaud you on that. Thank um, you. And it, yeah, this is you're gonna hear me, you're gonna hear us talk a lot about opioids over mm-hmm. the next uh, several weeks and months. I mean, this is a, a big problem facing our community. Well, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, what else is going yeah. on? We, we, we talked opioids. We talked uh, COVID quite extensively. What you know, we joked earlier when we started out, and I was like I said, I was blessed to be part of one of the groups in your transition planning team. That was a good learning tool for me, and then to put our input from law enforcement what we need. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, that thirty, sixty day, ninety day plan that we joked about. You know what? What we talked opioids, and then COVID jumped in the middle of the world. Uh, what else is they big did. on the horizon? Well, well, you know, there's a lot going on. We, you know, we we're working through. Um, uh, 
you know, right now we're as we're coming. Not, I don't want to say out of COVID because right. obviously we, we need to keep know. doing what we're doing. But right. we're going back to a lot of stuff we were talking about before. So the the opioid crisis is actually taking up a lot of my days right now. Uh, we're looking at uh, financial issues. The county is still facing right. um, uh, tens of million dollars potentially in a budget and a, a deficit that we have to deal with, which is unfortunate because it obviously. Um, uh, a lot of what we do helps people that are going to be mostly impacted by the right. negative results. Uh, but now we're looking at at the at what happened in the aftermath. And of folks, remember we saw, talked about how different people experience things in different ways. So we're talking about how do we reopen the economy. Um, it's uh, we have the control room uh, that I'm a, a member of that's led by Bob Duffy, our lieutenant governor. So we're, what we're doing is as a region is trying to advocate. Um, for ways and plans to allow us to reopen, let people get back to work, get people back to a sense of normalcy, um, but do it in a safe way so it's sustainable. I do not want to have happen here what happened in Florida, what's happening there now in Texas, Arizona, places that opened and then had to close or closing back off again. So really a lot with that. We're dealing with a lot of the uh, effects of what the virus had over the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, there's a, a lot of issues around uh, economic recovery. Um, how are we going to get sure. our kids back to school? Um, like I said, the opioid crisis is a big piece of that. Um, you know, even issues like housing. Um, you know, there's a, there's a there's a lot of folks who are facing eviction um, and uh, foreclosure because of uh, loss of income and, and jobs throughout this. So the county does a lot of work in those fields and those spaces. And so what we're working on right now is a uh, the systems integration approach where we take right. um, nonprofits that are doing a lot of this good work in our community and we're trying to coordinate them and organize them into a system so that instead of instead of people having to figure out this spider web of services where do you go for this where do you go for that instead try to put it all into the same place one stop shopping one stop shopping yep. is what it is so you don't have to just keep duplicating right. where you go so we're spending a lot of time working on that because at the end of the day we got to come out we got to come out of this stronger community and we got to find a way it's an opportunity, it's an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely 100% yeah. you know and, and you think about that coordination point you, the people we're talking about may be in poverty Right. Mm -hmm. They may have trauma in their life. Right. They may have grown up with ACES scores off the chart. Right. The, right. And then negotiate these systems is defeating. Right. Oh, and it's, it, it's it's impossible. I don't even understand. It. It's I like I call it alphabet soup a lot, Sheriff, right. where like people I'll say, where do you go if you're in this situation? And people will rattle off all these acronyms for yeah, things. Exactly. And I'm like, what is all of this? And if you have right? any trauma yeah. in your life or you have any you yeah. know, social skills that might be lacking or you don't have transportation or if you don't have. And people say, well, you're 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 goody two shoes. You're just trying to give people, you know, we're not we're trying going to make ourselves more efficient as government and probably save some money if we do it smartly yeah 100 and, and look at the systems approach to these things 100 and i'm gonna I, I it's not part of our outline here but the monroe county office of mental health mm -hmm. is one of your star agencies I'm, I'm just telling you right now the work they're doing with law enforcement the work they're That's they're great. saving lives there's no doubt uh the support they're giving the cops on the street in the middle of the night uh let alone that we just had that long 24-hour standoff out in uh in the county, right? Yeah. And the guy was throwing Molotov yeah. cocktails at us. The guy was throwing bow and arrows at us. Uh, you know, the guy was suicidal mm -hmm. and homicidal. Working hand in hand with your mental health professionals that know that person mm -hmm. and allow it to coach us through that and maybe bring it down a few notches uh, yeah. may or may not lead to a horrific outcome or a positive outcome, but it definitely helped us come to a positive conclusion. I think 
And, uh, you know, someday maybe we'll just do a show on that. And we did have Kim Butler and some other folks in here oh, not good. too long ago yep. to champion what those folks are doing. So there's so many positive things in county government. It's no, amazing. Yeah, no, they do, they do a lot of great work. And the government touches a lot of different parts of they your do. life. And so uh, we have big responsibility here. But I want to thank you and your deputies um, and, and your team. You guys are doing a phenomenal job uh, yeah. keeping us safe. And, uh, uh, and uh, you know, I've been through a particular oh. captain. I've been through the jail a few times uh, last You're year. welcome. Uh, thank you. Welcome. And uh, earlier this year. And uh, uh, I know you guys are working very hard um, to you, protect sir. people. You're keeping people safe there. And uh, I just want to thank you and your team. Yeah, Appreciate thank you. Thank you for doing that. And, Absolutely. Uh, those are really un, seem like unsung heroes right now. The law enforcement community is really uh, mm-hmm. uh, having a difficult time, and and yeah. our job as leadership is to uh, bring them through that and uh, let them know that they're noble. They you know they're they're heroic people. Um, so we finish up this this podcast. Uh, we're, we're finishing up right now with what I call the no Miranda zone. And, and I don't know, county exec, you probably oh, watched no. some TV <laughs> programs and, and seen some lawyers talk and cops. <laughs> uh, the Miranda is no. you have the right to remain silent. Well, this is oh, the no, no Miranda. You don't have a right to remain silent. And anything you say, we're going to use against you. Okay. And uh, Captain McGowan is going to be part of this too. I don't think if he knows he's going to get so. So real simple questions, just fire them at you. You, you respond. Uh, oh, it's more goodness. like a psychological profile. We don't know, but. Uh, so I'm not good you, at these. <laughs> <laughs> so, a real Go simple ahead. one, Star. What do you want to be when you grew up? When you were, when you were growing up, what do you want to be besides county exec? Oh my gosh! You know what I wanted to be? I wanted to be a teacher. Believe it. Really? Or not. Yep. Oh, yep. Your wife would like that answer. Yep. That's yep. awesome. Yep. Always wanted to be a teacher, Captain. Yep. What do you want to be? I wanted to be a forest ranger. A forest ranger. Yep. Cool. I just want to be in the woods. You wanted myself. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah, a just, much just, better just, answer than teacher. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Good one. Yeah, I love it. I'm hungry right now. Favorite Girl Scout cookie, county executive. Oh, the Samoas. The, really? Yeah. Never yeah. heard that one yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got yeah. a thumbs down from the audience. Oh, no. <laughs> it was thin mints, but they got so tiny. It's short. Yeah. <laughs> it's shortbread now. Shortbread? Yeah. Because you're protesting? Is that what <laughs> yeah. it is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. County exec, what does your family call you? What's your nickname? Oh, geez. I can't tell you that. My son calls me. No, it's pretty much like, hey, you. So, hey, you. yeah. yeah. Honey, yeah. Trust me. <laughs> they, they, they take pride in the fact that if they think my head gets too big because they see me on TV, right. that they're very happy. They to knock pop it down a few notches. Yeah. 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 That's our family, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain McGowan, I know what your work nickname is, but uh, that is my nickname everywhere. And that uh, is Doc. Doc. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but I tell you, in college, though, this is what they always so it's funny because I try to get my son to call my brother this. It was always Big Bellow and Little Bellow. So, oh, really? Yeah. Actually, for, for probably eight or nine years of my life, nobody ever once called me Adam. They just called me Bellow. And Bellow. then when my brother followed me because we went to the same college, he became Little Bellow and I was Big, Big Bellow. Bellow. Yeah. I'm sure he did uh, not appreciate that. No. no. So <laughs> I keep trying to get my son to call my call his uncle Little Bellow, Little Bellow. but he won't do it. <laughs> yeah. When I see him, I will call him that. So thanks yeah. for the intel. Well, folks, My it's pleasure. been uh, county exec. It's been great to have you, Captain McGowan. Really appreciate the uh, the support here and, and sharing what you do inside the jail. Amy Young behind the mixer today. Appreciate that. And uh, folks, we look forward to talking to you next week. Come back for another episode of Behind the Badge, our podcast. We're trying to share what we do in the Monroe County Sheriff's Office. So, God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of MCSO Behind the Badge. In between episodes, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Monroe Sheriff NY. Until next week, be safe.